Well, good morning, everybody. Are y'all glad to be here this morning? We are really, really glad you are here. Man, after being in an empty auditorium last week, we're really glad you're here. This place is very lonely without you. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Star. And as Cole sat down here, and I know um, we've talked about, you've picked a great day to be here. So we've been celebrating our 25-year uh, anniversary, and we're culminating the series we've been in called 25 with the gentleman that's going to be here as my guest and our guest this morning. A couple months ago on my podcast, we were doing our interview, and, and Ken, right in the middle of the podcast on his new book, From Paycheck to Purpose, Ken goes, man, I'd love to come share this at your church. And we got off the air, and I went, dude, are you serious? I mean, are you, are you really serious? He's like, yeah, we'd love to. And man, we have circled this date, planned for this date, because for some of you, today's gonna be the day that unlocks something inside you you've always known was missing. And today's gonna be that day. Ken is a fellow Liberty University uh, fellow from, the, from our years at Liberty, came in right behind me. He's worked at the John Maxwell Company. He served at Catalyst here in Atlanta. Many of you know Ken from the Dave Ramsey Show and the Ken Coleman Show. He's a best-selling author. His book and assessment are both gonna be out in the lobby today, and I know tons of people lined up after the last service to go get that. You're gonna wanna get that because today he's gonna be talking to you about purpose and the purpose that you were created for. You are gonna love him. So I want y'all to do me a favor and give a huge North Star welcome to Mr. Ken Coleman. Give him a hand, everybody. Appreciate you. Thank you. Well, thank you. I, uh, I've already told the tech team to record how Mike introduced me in the first service and second service, and I'm going to play that in my home sound system when I come in from work just to see how irritated my teenagers get with that. Thank you, Mike, for that kind introduction. Hey, it's good to be back in the ATL. Yeah. All right, I'm going to warn you now. I'm already warmed up. I, it, it's, some of you are coming in, you haven't been to church in a month because of all the stuff that's happened in this place, right? And uh, so we're going to interact, all right? So, so if you're just here to sit and sit back, uh, you just need to get your energy level up. Can I hear an amen? amen. All right, there we go. Now we're in church. Uh, before we get into this, uh, I have, well, my wife and I, Stacy and I, we've been married, uh, it'll be 24 years in uh, May. And we lived in Atlanta area, the Suwannee, Georgia area, for 11 years. And so I got to get this out of my system so I can focus and preach. Go Braves. Yeah. And go dogs. Yeah. All right. I can't say that too loudly in Tennessee. You have to pray for all my Tennessee friends. It's been a rough, rough time for those people in that sherbet orange. Now, you're, now they're awake. All right. Now I fully have your attention. Uh, I want to say big congratulations to Mike and the church and the leadership for celebrating 25 years. That is no small accomplishment in this day and age. Yeah. It, it means a lot. Um, so Mike and I, we were talking uh, about uh, this and, uh, it, it several months ago, and then I called him yesterday on my way down, and he was telling me about this helping people find their way home. And, and, and then he mentioned, you know, this kind of that, here's how. And we're really challenging our church body to love God 
love people, and live sent. Now, I'm a Baptist preacher's kid, not a black sheep. Don't judge me. And so I love words, and I love succinct phrases. And when he said that, and Mike will tell you, I said, oh, that's good. Live sent. I go, Mike, this is great, based on what I'm going to preach on today. And so um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change the title of my message. It was, it was originally titled, Created to Contribute. And after the first service, I just decided I'm going to change the title. It's going to be called Work Sent. Come on. <laughs> work Sent. Live Sent. Work Sent. Here's what I'm going to propose to you today. You cannot have a separate work life and a separate personal life, even though we do it and it's what we've been taught. And it's almost the American way. But it is not the Christian way. It's not the gospel way. It's not the godly way. And that's what we're going to unpack today. Mike mentioned a little bit about what I get to do and as co-host of now the Ramsey Show. Any Dave Ramsey fans in the house? Okay. Huh, all right. <laughs> I have a sip of water on that one. Uh, let me just say to those of you who uh, didn't respond warmly, I am not as mean as Dave is. Uh, but I get to co-host the Ramsey Show with Dave once a week. Sometimes I'll host with another Ramsey personality. And then, of course, the Ken Coleman Show is a part of the Ramsey Network. And what I do every day on the Ken Coleman Show is coach uh, mostly adults, but I'll get the occasional teenager that'll call into the show. And I am coaching and counseling and cheerleading towards one aim, and that aim is to help them see that they were uniquely created to contribute, to live and work sent. And so... I open up the show most days by saying this phrase after all the fancy music, and they turn my mic on, and I'll say, you were created to contribute. You were created to fill a unique role. You were needed. You must do it. Every time we put that little phrase on social media, it blows up. The social media team, all these smart 20-somethings, because I'm 47, I don't do social media, you know? They try to keep me away from it. And, and they'll tell me, this phrase really resonates with people. You were created to fill a unique role. You are needed. You must do it. And so I'm speaking to the church today, because I've grown up in the church, and I am on the front lines in secular society pulling people out of the river of purposelessness, of meaninglessness. I'm pulling them out of the river. I had a sweet young mom meet me in the lobby at the book table after the last service, tears all over her before she even got to me. And I looked at her, I said, what's going on? She said, oh, the message meant something to me because I fought for so long. I was, my purpose was just to be a stay-at-home mom and I'm, terrible at it. And she's broken. Now, I only bring that up to say that this is happening to so many people and some of you in this room, and that's okay because Satan is trying to confuse you and distract you. What does the Bible say about work? Now, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to run through several scriptures because I want to emphatically make the case that you were created to work. We'll come back to that, because to some of you, that makes your stomach sick because of your experience with work or your environment at work. What does the Bible say? Our creator worked, the God of the universe worked, 
Genesis chapter two, one through three, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all of the work of creating that he had done. Three times we hear the word work. Now let me just stop for a second. The omnipotent almighty God was so exhausted, Mike, that he decided to rest. So if he needed to rest, you need to rest. Stop putting all your value in telling people how busy you are. Stop running from the pain in your life by being busy. I didn't plan to say that. That's just a little extra nugget. There you go. Let's keep going. He, the creator, is still working. He didn't just stop. He's still working. What does the scripture say? John 5, 17, in his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. Psalm 145, four through six, one generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. God the Father created us to work, Genesis 2.15. Now, context for this verse. For those of you that may be new to this whole faith thing, this is before the whole Apple incident, this verse. Before everything went haywire and sin entered the world. This is the perfect will of God, the perfect Garden of Eden in Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. My favorite two verses in all the Bible right here, Psalm 139, 13 and 14. I think David is at his poetic best here when he says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together. Don't miss that. You knit me together in my mother's Womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, why do we work? What does the scripture say? 1 Peter 4.10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Ecclesiastes 2.24, a person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God. Now, I don't know if your brain works like me. I grew up in church. I've been around scripture my whole life, and I have ADHD, and I've made it work for me, you know, because God gave it to me. Come on. <laughs> Why would we medicate what God gave me? I'm serious. Don't ask me to hold your keys. But brother, I can coach you live on the air under, under massive pressure in six minutes. We're medicating the wonder out of kids. I know, I didn't plan to say that. That's really good. Now, when I say something like that, church, if you really believe it, don't give me a, mm, give me a, mm, that's right. I'm gonna say it again so you can practice it. I got a few more of those coming. We are medicating the wonder out of our children. Amen. All right. So when I see that 
verse, Ecclesiastes 2.24, and my ADHD brain starts running wild. A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. And I think of the word fulfillment, which is so associated with work and, and, and purpose. And I, I'm from the South, born and raised in the South. And, and I love words and I love just kind of Southernizing everything. And, you know, we kind of say fulfillment, fulfillment. I'm not fulfilled. It's very, you know, it's really, how filled are you at your work, Johnny? I'm only half filled. You spell fulfilled, F-U-L, and then filled, but I want you to be fulfilled. Can I get an amen on that, please? You spend 90,000 plus hours at work in your lifetime as an American. Yeah, let that sink in. I heard a couple of thuds over here on the left. You think God wants you to just drag yourself through to Friday evening? Come on, do you? Come on, do you? Yeah? Stay tuned, I got more message for you. Second Peter 1.10, therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. Philippians 3.14, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So how should we work? Second Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And final scripture, Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working Unto the Lord. Not for human masters. You're not working for that pathetic leader of a boss who doesn't value you. You're working for your creator who intentionally and, as David said, wonderfully designed you. So here's why I'm preaching this message. Here is the reality of our world in 2022, and obviously I'm coming at this from an American standpoint, but it is global, is that Satan has created the secular worldview of work. The secular worldview of work is simple. You work to live. In other words, you work to get a paycheck. Gotta have a paycheck. I believe you gotta have a paycheck. It's in my book title. But in that book title, From Paycheck to Purpose, Mike, I told you this on the interview, we capture the two emotions around work. Yes, we must provide for ourselves and others. That is good. But the purpose piece is the contribution, the contribution piece. See, see the paycheck is provision, but, but purpose in your work is the contribution. And Satan has completely twisted this. Because the dominant worldview of work that is adopted by the church and people in the church is that, well, just get the best job possible. Get the best job possible and just try to make it through because, you know, got to be a good worker. Does that sound like what the creator of the universe has for you? Psalm 139, 13, 14, you knit me together in my mother's womb. There's design there. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You know there's more. The Christian worldview of work should be and must be, I live to work. I live to work. Now let me change that because that's really ugly for some of you and I understand the psychology behind that. 
but I live to contribute. You know, it's interesting, you don't have to teach a toddler how to say no, do you, parents? They just come by it naturally. You know, one other fascinating thing that I've found is that you, you also don't have to teach a human being, and everybody comes to it at a different age, but you don't have to teach a human being to wander behind the wheel of a car or in the shower or, or in, the, in the dark of night. You don't have to teach a, a human to wonder, why am I here? What should I do with my life? You don't have to teach a human. Why? Because that's in our spirit. The God of the universe wants us to contribute to this world, just as he put Adam in the Garden of Eden to take care of and to grow and prosper the garden. Even after the fall, even after sin, he tells Adam and Eve, go and subdue the earth. And if you go do a deep Bible study on that, I don't have time to unpack that today, but the word subdue there is essentially create. Create good results. That's a biblical mandate. And so Satan has completely twisted it. And let me show you how it's playing out. I said this in the first service because I didn't plan to, but it got such a response that I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going with this. Because here's how you all are in this matrix. And as Christ followers, we're not supposed to be in the matrix. We're supposed to be salt and light. But here's what's happening. You take these little children that are hardwired for curiosity. The God of the universe put it in them. Wonder just means to be curious, right? That's what wonder means. And so here they come. They ask hundreds of questions a day. Can I get an amen, parents? Not because they're trying to be obnoxious, because why? They're trying to get to the bottom of everything. University of Michigan has some research that says by the time the average American student gets to the eighth grade, they're asking two to three questions a day. Does that bother anybody? People that come into this world hardwired to wonder and ask questions, our education system is unwittingly beating it out of them. You know why? Because our system is creating test takers, not pathfinders. We are teaching them to memorize and regurgitate instead of discover and create. The church has got this. We got the corner on this. Now, let me tell you something. Where does this play out? I'm not here to bang on education. I think education is wonderful, but our system is broken. Teachers are leaving in droves. I had at least five teachers come up to me after the first service and say, thank you for saying it. Teaching isn't about teaching anymore. It's all about test scores and tax dollars and everything else. And by the time these beautiful creatures, these kids, get to the ninth grade, all this cultural pressure gets dumped on them. They've got every quiz score, every attendance, every test counts. They've got to take the pre-ACT, pre-SAT, all that crap in the ninth grade. And it's all about pressure and performance. Why? Because culture has told us since the 60s that the only way to be successful is through a college degree. Now I'm preaching. And it's a marketing message. And it's straight from hell. And Satan is using it. Because here's the, here's the debilitating effect. You think these kids are dealing with all this pressure because of social media and Instagram. I think that's the easy target. I think that's true. But I also think parents, and I'm a parent of three kids, so I'm not picking on parents. But I think parents and teachers are feeling all this cultural pressure because that's been the one driving message and you're afraid to look at your friends and family and go, yeah, my kid's not going to college. 
he's really adept with his hands and he's gonna go into welding. And not only is he gonna go into welding, he's eventually gonna be a small business owner and employ 40 freaking people. Now, here's the deal. So the counter, but that's not the cultural message. And so these kids are freaking out in their 15, 16, 17, and 18-year-old brains because of the pressure you are putting on them and the pressure that their teachers are putting on them. It's not the teacher's fault. I am pro-teacher. It's the system. And teachers are leaving because they know it's no longer about education. Now, here's where, the, here's where Satan is using this. These kids are ending up going to colleges they cannot afford. We are in trillions of dollars of student loan debt. They are getting degrees they can't even freaking use. 50% of the graduating class of 2021 took six months to get a job in their area of interest. The economy is exploding and spreading. It's different than it's ever been before. But now watch this. All of that cultural crap we are churning out teenagers who at the age of 15 are at the dumbest point of their life. This is true. Talk to a psychologist. I'm not kidding. Between their brain development and their hormones, they're literally idiots. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I mean, don't, don't go check me out on this. It's not an opinion. It's a fact. We know that the human brain doesn't finish fully developing for women until 23. And for us dudes, it's 25, and I'm not sure I even believe that. <laughs> you see how Satan is using this? You are, you are only worth your degree. You're only worth your salary. You got to figure out a major. You got to get a job, and they don't even know who they are. Their unique creation. How about their unique contribution related to their creation? How many of you think we're uniquely and wonderfully made? Say yes. yes. Great. I'm going to break it down for you. I'm going to give you the simplest way to discuss this with your kids and grandkids and leaders. And for those of you, and I know you're in the audience, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but you're miserable at work or you're bored. And a miserable person at work and a bored person at work takes that stuff home with them. I believe a huge portion, pastor, of our marital and parenting problems are from people who are created to be souls and on fire and on purpose and make a contribution at work that, yes, brings a paycheck. And they're not experiencing that and we're turning into zombies. That's why zombie shows, I think, are so popular. <laughs> we can identify with it. That's me on Tuesday at four. Come on. You're dragging that stuff home with you. I can't tell you how many women will call my show on behalf of their husband in tears. Ken, my husband's so not happy. How do I help him? I can tell you there's all kinds of crap going on in that home because we were created to contribute. And when we don't sense that and feel that and see that, it is killing our souls I didn't say it, scripture said it. Can I get an amen? So how do we figure out purpose for these kids and, and for ourselves? How do we see, God, what does purpose look like for me in my work? How do I work sent? Oh, I love that. I'm gonna steal that, Mike. 
How do I live and work sin? I can't separate my personal life and my professional life. I am purposed in my relational and professional life. Here it is. Every human being has three essential elements. Talent, passion, and mission. I'm gonna break it down, it's so simple. Talents, what you do best. Hard skills, people skills. You hear them called soft skills, right? We could throw character traits in there if we want to. This is what you do naturally well. When you grew up, or even in this moment now, you see people struggle in one area that is almost effortless for you. We understand this, talent, what we do best. I want you to think of talent as a tool, a premium tool, a power tool. Come on, guys. We got any power tool guys in here? Yeah. Huh? Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> You're a power tool girl? Yeah. Very good. You can look at me and know that I should stay away from all power tools. <laughs> Anybody that wears cashmere sweater with these vans, don't trust them near a power saw. <laughs> passion. I define passion as work that we love, a task or a role that when we think about it, our heart skips a beat. We get excited about it. Get excited in anticipation of doing this work. When we are engaged in this work, time seems to just disappear. Everyone in this room has either experienced this or seen somebody in this zone. There's a famous, I believe he's a Hungarian psychologist, recently passed away by the name of Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. I practiced that for months. And he spent 35 years studying this phenomenon that he calls flow. That when we are engaged in work that we're really good at, so it, it, we're proficient at it, it's easy and it's skillful, and we enjoy it as well, then it is a euphoric state. I added another element because I believe this to be true of all humans, and that's mission. And mission speaks to our desire as humans to contribute to the world. We can all be selfish. We can all have narcissistic tendencies. But the reality is, in our goodness when we come into this world, and in our newness, there is something in our spirit that longs to contribute to others, to do something bigger than ourselves. The most confused caller on the Ken Coleman Show will always say, I don't know what I want to do, Ken, but I just want to help people. And I say, welcome to the human race. Because we all want to help people. This is the creator's mark on us. So when we look at talent, passion, mission, it's very simple. Everybody in this room has a general purpose statement. And, and through my assessment and book, and they're out there, and I can walk you through this. You could kick the tires and listen to the Ken Coleman Show. Listen to me walk this through with people. Your purpose statement is to use what you do best, to do work you love, to produce results that matter to you. As a human, that's your purpose. Scripture said, I'm gonna say it again, thank you. You should just follow me around the country. <laughs> it's like that line in Lion King, where they say Mufasa and the hyenas go, ooh, say it again. <laughs> your purpose, all around the room, look at me, all eyes on me. Your purpose is to use what you do best, talent, to do work you love, passion, to produce results, mission, that matter deeply to you. When you do that, people notice. 
You were born for this. You're a natural at this. We've said this. We've heard it said. The Bible shows us that's intelligent design. That's intentional. And yet we have let culture and let Satan use culture. The so, you know, I said the secular worldview. It's really the satanic worldview of work. Is that it's just a utilitarian function. I work to get a paycheck. Now, I didn't come here today to get a bunch of you to quit your jobs. Yet. But here's where we sit in America today. Depending on how much you pay attention to the news, throughout 2021, they called it the Great Resignation. And we saw it come to fruition in record numbers starting in August 2021 through December 2021. I haven't seen the January job numbers. I don't suspect it's going to stop. Record people quitting their jobs. 4 4.3, 4.4, 4.6, 4.7. All told, we are steamrolling towards 20 million people leaving their jobs in America. It's just the musical chairs. People are chasing a paycheck there most of the time because the pandemic woke them up. The pandemic forced us to confront purpose. We saw headlines of death every day scrolling across. My goodness, you turned to one network, it was like a scoreboard. Life's too short to live for the weekend. And if you are a Christ follower, I'm speaking to you specifically today. If you don't know Jesus, I'd be happy to talk to you about it afterwards. But I can tell you this, you're gonna have to confront the reality as a non-churchgoer, if you, if you haven't given your heart to Jesus, you're gonna have to confront the reality that you have talent. You have passion. And you have a sense of mission. An atheist can't argue with me on that one. You have to wrestle with that. Is there more? And to this church body, when we talk about living scent and working scent, listen, never before has there been a better time for you to go, what is my sweet spot, if you will, in the workplace? Well, it's really simple. I just gave it to you. If you're using what you do best, talent, to do work you love, passion, to produce results that matter, you mission, guess what? There are multiple dream jobs for you. That is the dream job. If you spend 75% of your day doing that, so I, I promised myself uh, that I would mention to teachers and educators, because I know there's probably some in here or you're a spouse to one. We get a lot of confusion, Mike, on the show, and some of them go, I can't, I had a passion for teaching, and I saw a great purpose in it, but the environment's awful. Can I just encourage you? There's more than one vocation and job for a Christian, for a person who works on purpose. You have a passion for instructing. And so if the public school environment is sucking the life out of you, be free, little bird, fly, fly away. Go find someone else to instruct. God is not a God of confusion. God doesn't want you to put up with the horrible, awful boss or the gossipy culture that you're in. He doesn't want that. And so at some point, you're gonna have to come to the realization that either you believe what I'm saying today or you don't. Is there something there? Is there something there to what Ken is saying? Am I working on purpose? This is some cute phrase that Mike cooked up. To live sent. Live sent, the reason I resonated, Mike, with that so much is because it implies there's a call. It implies there's a command. And I just read and let off with a bunch of scripture because I wanted to make it absolutely, completely clear that you were created to work. 
and there's no excuses. There's no excuses for you to feel the drudgery and the boredom and the misery at work. Now, I'm gonna really preach now. Here's what I know about the human condition and sadly of Christians. We would rather be miserable than uncomfortable. I'm gonna say it again because that needs a bigger response because you were processing it. We humans would rather be miserable than uncomfortable. You know why? Because we hate the unknown. We humans hate the unknown. See, I think the greatest, most crippling fear in the human race is the fear of the unknown. Think about the last time you were driving in a torrential downpour or you drove into thick fog to where you could not see beyond the hood of your car. What'd you do? Did you speed up and go, woohoo? What'd you do? Yeah. I mean, flashing lights. Whoa. It's terrifying. The fear of the unknown is terrifying. And yet today I've given you a very simple formula for you to know your unique creation and your unique calling. Now here's the interesting part. Everything I taught to you will give you absolute clarity. My book, From Paycheck to Purpose, is out in the lobby. It walks you through the seven stages of truly living and working on purpose. We have an assessment that goes with it that'll walk you through your top talent, top passion, top mission, give you a purpose statement, give you tremendous clarity. But all of that is worth nothing if you as believers don't understand that there's a faith factor here. The Bible says in Hebrews, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, stepping into portions unknown, it is impossible to please God. What can you know? You can know that you were created to contribute. You were created to work. What you can know is exactly what you're talented at. You can know exactly the work that fires your heart up, and you can know exactly the results that the God of the universe put you on this planet to produce. What you cannot know is the timing of how it happens. What you cannot know is the path and how it will wind and where it will go. But you can know that you were created for a purpose. One of my favorite illustrations comes from an old movie. It's so old, it's gonna date me. I, I didn't see it when it came out. It came out in 1981. It was titled Chariots of Fire. How many of you, just so I know how old I am, how many of you know with the movie Chariots of Fire, at least the soundtrack, some of you? Okay. For the rest of you, it's a really old movie, so it's gonna be really grainy, but do yourself a favor in the next month and watch it. It's based on the real-life Olympic runner, British runner, and missionary, Eric Little. And so as the story goes, Little was a real-life, I mean, superstar runner. He had an unbelievable talent of running, and yet he and his sister specifically felt the call to the mission field in China. And there's a scene in the movie that the first time I saw it, I started crying, it gripped me. Little, through the course of the movie, has made all the qualifiers. He's winning, he's got record times. He's gonna be a featured runner on the British Olympic team, and yet he's dealing with this tension that his sister and he have said, God's called us to the mission field, and we got a plan to go. And he knows his sister's not gonna be happy. How many of you have dealt with family and friends who, when you share your dream, a God-sized dream, they kind of poo-poo it? 
Uh-oh, that one hit a nerve. And so I don't know if the director is a follower of Christ, but this director just nailed it. And so the scene is little nervously, excitedly approaches his sister in a green space. And he says, Jenny, I'm going to be on the Olympic team. And you could see her crestfallen nature takes over. And he keeps talking with passion. He says, Jenny, I know without a shadow of a doubt, I'm paraphrasing, that we were called to be missionaries to China and we will go. And this is my favorite part. He goes, but God made me fast. He realizes I've got an incredible talent and I love running talent, passion. And then he says, when I run, I feel his pleasure. When I run, I feel his pleasure. How many of you seen the movie, you know what it's like? When he runs, he's like this. I think the director knew what he was doing. When I run, I feel my creator's pleasure. And then he says, when I win, there's purpose and I bring him glory. Is it possible that when you win as an entrepreneur or you win as a nurse or you win as a, maybe a special ed teacher who gets through to the one kid who nobody else could get through to. Is it possible that when we win in our work, that we deliver kingdom results and glory to our creator? Is it? Is it possible? I see my unique combination of talent and passion and mission as an opportunity to sing a song with my life. A unique song of worship through my life at work and the contribution and the people that God will give me the opportunity to encounter. Mike, what's wrong with me? Why am I crying? I care about this because I've seen the light bulbs come on with people who call the show. I saw it in the lobby with that stay-at-home mom who was in tears and she thinks that she's a big failure. And I looked at her and I said, sweetheart, listen to me. Parenting's hard. This is your season, not your sentence. You have purpose at work, but you take care of that little guy now. Your purpose at work is waiting on you. So my final challenge, I want you to think of your unique combination of talent, passion, and mission 
as an opportunity to serve God at work and to live sent. Monday through Friday, in a world that may only see Jesus through your excellence. So for those who aren't singing their song yet, if I can help you find your song, come on. It's a toll-free number every day, Monday through Friday. You can change your name, call the show, meet me out back. But I want you to sing your song, not the song that your mom and dad told you to sing because it was a safe song. Woo. Not the song that your former spouse may have told you to sing. Not the song your guidance counselor told you to sing. The song that the creator of the universe wrote on your heart. And I want you to sing it loud, sing it proud, even if it's off key. And I want you to sing it to everything you got so that you can feel the creator's pleasure. And when you enter into heaven, may he look at all of us and say, well sung, well sung. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these people. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the leadership. Thank you for the, the, the vision you've placed on Pastor Mike's heart and the, and the team. Lord, I, I pray today that those who are here that needed to hear this heard it, and I pray that they would step up and step out into the reality that they are uniquely and wonderfully made and that there's a contribution that you, their heavenly Father, are waiting for them to make if they'll just step out and trust you. For those who are dealing with fear, Lord, I pray that you would identify that fear specifically for them and show them how it's alive from the pit of hell. For those that are facing crippling doubt, I pray that you would identify that debilitating doubt and, and, and give them the courage to step through it. I pray that for the person who's in here who just is confused, feels lost, like they're a wanderer, I pray that you would help them to come to you so that you can restore them as the wanderer that you created them to be. Well, I pray that you would bless our time together I pray that you would bless this church, that we would see crazy impact with $5 bills all this week, that this church body would live and work sent. We praise you in advance for what you're going to do. Help us to be expectant and help us to honor you in our work and in all that we do. It is in your precious name, Jesus, that we pray. And everybody said,